if you've been here recently, you know that not long ago, I began an Old Testament consecutive expository series in one of the minor prophets, Micah. It's a book full of dire warnings about impending judgment, but it's also a book about a daring hope of what God in his faithfulness will do even for sinners like those in Micah's day and like you and me today. Micah was, remember, an outsider. But God uses him to give a shocking picture to all the insiders, to the people who had the power, to the ones who were on the seats of the elite to show them something they were not able to see. And Micah, as we see over and over in this book, cries out, tells the truth, which is not often received. And we see that again in our scripture reading today in Micah chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Remind you once again, this is the word of the Lord. Hear it carefully. And I said, hear, O you heads of Jacob and rulers of the house of Israel, Is it not for you to know justice? You hate the good and love the evil, who tear the skin off my people and their flesh off their bones, who eat the flesh of my people and flay their skin from off them and break their bones in pieces and chop them up like meat in a pot, like flesh in a cauldron. Then they will cry to the Lord, but he will not answer them. He will hide his face from them at that time because they have made their deeds evil. Thus says the Lord concerning the prophets who lead my people astray, who cry peace when they have something to eat, but declare war against him who puts nothing into their mouths. Therefore it shall be night to you without vision and darkness to you without divination. The sun shall go down on the prophets and the day shall be black over them. The seers shall be disgraced and the diviners put to shame. They shall all cover their lips for there is no answer from God. But as for me, I am filled with power with the Spirit of the Lord, and with justice and might to declare to Jacob his transgression and to Israel his sin. Hear this, you heads of the house of Jacob, rulers of the house of Israel, who detest justice and make crooked all that is straight, who build Zion with blood, and Jerusalem with iniquity. Its heads give judgment for a bribe 
Its priests teach for a price. Its prophets practice divination for money. Yet they lean on the Lord and say, Is not the Lord in the midst of us? No disaster shall come upon us. Therefore, because of you, Zion shall be plowed as a field. Jerusalem shall become a heap of ruins. And the mountain of the house of a wooded height. The grass withers, the flower fades, but God's word remains forever. Let's pray. Father, once again, enlighten us, help us to understand the important truths in this portion of your holy word. Father, we pray that we will seek to be like you and follow in your ways. This wasn't happening then, Father, and in so many ways and places on this earth. It is not happening now. But bring renewal. In wrath, remember mercy and help us. Today we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This past Friday, I had an opportunity to be at a community Event, very, very wonderful uh, event, lot at uh, Rocky Bayou Christian School. Uh, and it was a second prayer breakfast uh, and a lot of praying for the country, a lot of praying for the city, for leaders. Um, it was a real, real enjoyable time and very important. Uh, and you might expect in such an occasion like that, where you had all kind of folks coming together, um, and uh, that there would be, as often is in things like that, there would be um, the opportunity to stand and recite the Pledge of Allegiance. And so we did. And of course, you all know how that ends. Most of you do, at least. One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Now, in our country, we have what is known as a separation of powers. I'm not going to get into this very deep, just very high level. And that's normally a good thing, that, the, that you don't have where some one of those powers can, can get control over all the others. There's a separation that our founding fathers intended to provide protection against tyranny. But what if all those powers, those various powers, what if they all three were corrupt to the core and guilty of injustice? That would not be a good situation. To put it, as the title says, what if there were no justice for all? We said in the Pledge of Allegiance and justice for all. But what if that wasn't there? What if that was not true then or now? It's not a good place to be. You see, there was no justice for all, but only for the corrupt elites and powerful enforcers of that day. 
probably we could think of how that also might apply in some respects to our own day. Today, Micah prophesies that God is going to once again bring judgment on Judah. Remember, he's already done it on Israel, the northern kingdom, Samaria. But he has also said Judah is guilty. And he's once Micah is giving us some of that specificity today. Showing us in three specific examples how those that were supposed to be rulers and guides and shepherds for the people of Judah were corrupt to the core in all facets of its powers. Now here's our outline today. As a result, God has said that judgment is coming. But it specifically comes in very ironic form today. We're going to see first of all in our outline judgment for the judges. Then we're going to see prophecy for the prophets. And then finally, we're going to see ruin for the rulers. You see the irony in all of that? The judges are going to be judged. The prophets are going to be prophesied and have to hear something they don't want to hear. But it's true. And the rulers that should have been keeping things as God set it up are going to be themselves ruined. Ruin is their future. So, let's look at the judges first. Let's look at the who the judges are here. Now, this is probably, by the way, probably going back into Exodus 18, when Moses set up, those judges or leaders were probably what is being referred to here. They were supposed to be keeping things and, and administrating certain areas and administering justice and fairness in the land. But by this point in time, they had become utterly corrupt. In this section, verses 1 through 4, that's where he's dealing with the judges here. Micah prophesies against corrupt judges that are supposed to secure justice for all the people. But they were doing quite the contrary. Instead, they were being bought and paid to secure what the powerful elite wanted. They were taking bribes. They were getting paid to gather and result in certain outcomes. Oh, you want this piece of property? Well, for this cost, we'll be glad to give it to you. Even if it's not supposed to be given to you by the Lord's command. We're Israel. It's all right. No problem. You see, the word that ties this whole section 1 through 12, this entire passage that we read this morning. The word that ties it all together is the word justice. That word pulls everything together. 
because Micah was exposing the lack of it in several different angles. He's coming at, th- at it three different ways, talking to three different groups that should have been making things right, but instead were bringing on corruption. He used the word justice in verse 1. He used it again in verse 8, and then again in verse 9. Listen, verse 1. And I said, Hear, O you heads of Jacob and rulers of the house of Israel, is it not for you to know justice? In other words, this is your job. This is what you were given by God to do. Then verse 8, but as for me, I am filled with power and the spirit of the Lord and with justice. This is Micah speaking there about himself. And then in verse 9, hear this, you heads of the house of Jacob and rulers of the house of Israel who detest justice and make crooked all that is straight. So justice is a huge theme in this portion of Micah's prophecy. And it's a very huge theme today in our culture as well. You see, it is difficult for those who are in power politically, those who have political power, to resist using that power not for others and for the good of the country, but for their own sake for their own interest and needs. They're feathering their own nest at the expense of the people. Have we ever seen that? In our time? All you got to do is turn on C-SPAN, turn on any of the, and you see it in living color. You see, these guys weren't even pretending anymore. (laughs) For a while, they probably were trying to make it look like they were not just out for a pure power grab and money grab. But at this point, they're not even trying. They're just steamrolling, rolling over people, taking what God said they could not give up, getting it by power and corruption. And they would be judged for it, according to the Lord. Now, I want to do right now what some people would call, sometimes scholars call an excursus, which is a a, a fancy way of saying, I'm going to get a little bit off topic. It's related, you'll see. We're talking about justice, so I am going to be talking about that for a minute, but I'm going to kind of bring it forward to the struggle in our day. It was a struggle then. It's a struggle still today. So, by way of application, that's another way to say it instead of an excursus, that's a fancy way, but by way of application, in our day, many are finding it hard to know what justice is. There are a lot of people, you, you, if you were to go down and put a microphone in front of and say, what, ex, give, me, give me an example of what is justice. You'd, you'd, people would be all over the place. And many are confused specifically about, in our time, the 
difference between biblical justice and, quote, social justice. But they are not the same. They are not synonymous. There is a huge difference. We must understand that they are not the same, but come from very different sources from which they emanate and arise. The sources are polar apart. You see, biblical justice reflects God's character. But social justice reflects a fallen human construct or philosophy. You see, God is a God of justice. And that's why there has to be justice. It cannot be put aside. The concept of true divine justice is rooted in the very character of God himself. And it cannot be set aside or be done away with. As I've already said in this series, it, all sin will be dealt with and will be judged. The only question is, will it be judged on your head or on the head of another? a substitute, a savior. So, we must understand the concept of true divine justice is rooted in God's character. And therefore, because of that, biblical justice, if it happens, if it occurs, it is pure and always upholds good and denounces evil. Now, do we, if we are honest, do we know even the best judges sometimes don't reach that standard? Of course not. But that's what we are, should be striving for. That's why we have lady justice that is blind, that is not supposed to be able to say, oh, I like this one over that one. I'm going to prefer this one and give it to that one. That is the standard for which all true justice should pursue upholding good and denouncing evil. I want to give you a quote from William Wolfe in his book or article, paper, Social Justice versus Biblical Justice, an Incompatible Difference. Listen. The Bible makes it clear that God is not a respecter of persons. In other words, he does not put up with partiality, prejudice, God deals with each one of us not on the basis of our skin color or our sex, but on the basis of our sin. Do you realize that? That's what God deals with every single person, no matter what they look like. Ultimately, God will render impartial judgment on our lives when we die and stand before him. And the only identity that will matter on that day is whether or not we are in Christ or not. That's the gospel truth. This reality is also reflected in how God expects man to judge each other. God is just. We are made in his image. We're supposed to be just also. So what does that look like? This reality is also reflected in how God expects men to judge each other. Leviticus 19.15 says this, 
Do not pervert justice. Don't do it. But judge, excuse me, do not pervert justice. Do not show partiality. And listen, to the poor or favoritism to the great. You're not supposed to do either one. Show partiality. Show prejudice. You are supposed to be just in whatever occasion it that comes. But judge your neighbor fairly. However, under a system of social justice, Wolf says, partiality is not just expected, it is required. It is required. Somebody's going to make it required. There's a lot more that could be said, but time makes us turn back to the second part. Prophecy for the prophets. Judgment for the, for the justices or judges. Prophecy for the prophets. Micah now is opening his second oracle or his second prophecy. He comes to his fellow prophets with a charge and he says, you guys are a bunch of peace prophets. You say what the people pay you to say or want to hear, but you don't want to hear the truth. He's saying to the prophets that they are bought and paid also, just like the corrupt judges. Why did Micah call them peace prophets? Because they were always telling Judah everything was going to be just fine. Why are these so negative prophets like Jeremiah and, and, and Micah and Amos? All these guys are just, they're just, just always down, always negative. They never see the good side of things. You see, they looked at it like this. God is not going to abandon his people to the wicked Assyrians. I mean, we may have our problems, but they are so much worse. Remember, we ran into that in Habakkuk. We ran into the same thing. Oh, there's no way, Lord. Even, even Habakkuk said, you can't use a crooked stick to straighten us out. God, can you? Will you? God said, yeah. You see, but they thought, no, 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 we're the people of God. Nothing to worry about here. Go in peace. Everything's going to be just fine. They prophesied peace when there was no peace and the prosperity of the city when it was about to be brought down and fall. But you know what? The biggest problem was that they were leading the people astray. It wasn't that they were just wrong about what was going on in, the, in their world and that they were about to be steamrolled. They weren't just wrong about that. They were leading the people astray. They were telling the people, oh, no, no worries about that. 
Jesus spoke about such a dangerous thing in Matthew chapter 8, verse 6. Listen. Whoever receives one such child in my name, Jesus said, receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. Now, does that sound like Jesus is okay with spiritually harming little sheep, his sheep? No, by no means. You said this is, a, this is a greater matter than even failing to administrate justice more faithfully. It's about the very destiny of men and women's souls. This is serious. On the contrary... In verse 8, the true prophet, Micah, was not preaching for profit because he was sent by the Spirit of God and in the power of the Lord. He didn't come in his own strength and his own power. He came as a vessel asking God to use him to speak the truth Help him speak the truth. I've always, and I've done it through the years many times. I remember reading about Charles Haddon Spurgeon. And here was this great prince of preachers. Many consider the one of the greatest that's ever lived. And Spurgeon would sit in his chair before it was time to come up to the Metropolitan Tabernacle pulpit. And he would often... Just hold on to the chair and close his eyes and say, I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Over and over to himself because he realized without the Holy Spirit, nothing, nothing good would come. No one would be changed. No kingdom impact will be made. Micah was like that. He knew that. You see, a true prophet is willing to preach judgment. He's willing to call a spade a spade. He's willing to call out sin. But a true prophet then is also ready to supply the salve, the balm, the healing potion. The good news. Remember, you have to start with the bad news to get to the good news. You can't reverse engineer it. They were just trying to go right straight to the good news. They didn't want to have to deal with the bad news. That was the case of the leaders. A false prophet preaches only false hope. And as a result, those who should have been God's spokesman will no longer be spoken to by God. You see the irony again? What God is doing through Micah? He says, oh yeah, you're my spokesman. You were supposed to be. Guess what? 
because you've done this, I'm going to stop speaking to you. And one day you're going to say, okay, Lord, tell us what to do. Talk to the hand. See, that's what was, that was the situation. Finally, ruin for the rulers. Ruin for the rulers. We've seen the judges and their corruption, the prophets, the peace prophets and their corruption. Micah has one more oracle to proclaim. The corrupt political rulers are condemned and their utter ruin is foretold. That's in verses 9 through 12. He said, they will be judged because they have distorted all that was right in verse 9. These guys were supposed to be the ones who set everything up to be fair, to be just, and to be right. They were the politicians, the rulers that were put there to make everything as it should be. But they too had been bought and paid and become corrupt. You see, these political heads or rulers were supposed to order things correctly, but all the powers of the kingdom, all of them, were rotten to the core and were corrupted. The judges, the prophets, and the priests, and the rulers, they were all in this. All had structured everything for their profit to serve their own purposes and their own needs. You see, they weren't any longer shepherds of the sheep. They were fleecers of the sheep of God. Fleecers of the sheep of God. And as a result, Micah says, destruction was coming. And in each case, again, here's that irony. A judgment that is so appropriate to what they were doing. Think about it. Justice is crying for mercy, get none. They didn't give it to others, to fairness and justice. Justice is crying now, knowing that judgment is coming one day. When it comes, they will be crying out, and they will get none. Prophets calling for a word from God, and he is silent giving them no word. And the rulers trying to establish order and finding things in nothing but disarray. And in time, bulldoze city and overgrown ruins. That was what was going to happen. It still hadn't happened yet, but Micah is warning. He's calling out. He's telling the truth to people who don't want to hear the truth. How sad. This book is so contemporary, isn't it? It's so contemporary. You see, people don't change. Sinners don't change. Only God saves and changes sinners. 
And even then, they're still sinners. And that's why they need the righteousness of Christ to cover them. For God to provide a way. You're sitting there now thinking, well, wow, Joe, what a Debbie Downer. I mean, a triple dose of judgment and doom was just uh, the other night uh, doing, uh, uh, watching a uh, history uh, thing on television, and uh, it was talking about the the Normans, uh, and I'm not talking about Louise's. Uh, uh, family uh, on their mother's side. They're Normans. But I'm talking about uh, William, William uh, the Conqueror. And uh, of course, he's the one that ultimately, very interestingly, put together in the latter part of his reign, put together trying to account for everything and know where everything was, called the Doomsday Book. Well, you know what? Micah's kind of given us in this chapter a, a Doomsday Book. For all these, these evil, corrupt powers. So you may be saying, gee, thanks, Joe. Yes, yes, he did. But as I told you, you've got to get to the bad news before you can get to the good news. But that good news is coming. That's the good news, especially about the good news. It's coming. Regrettably, for you, you'll have to wait till next week. Amen. Father, again, we thank you that you were a God of justice. Father, that would be terribly bad news if you were not also a God of mercy and grace to the undeserving. Thank you that you found a way to be just and justifier, the one who has faith in Jesus. So, Father, today, once again, we ask that you would help us receive and apply these words from your holy book. Father, if anything that I've said is not true, let it be forgotten, Father, or corrected. But Father, may your word stand and may it be precious to us. And Father, thank you that you were not yet done with your purposes and that there is good news that is coming. Father, for those who are in Christ Jesus, pray all this now in his name. Amen.